0: Hey everyone, big news. Up Next in Commerce is now available for sponsorship. If you love this show and you or maybe your company or someone in your network that you know may wanna reach an audience of supremely smart e-commerce leaders, then reach out to me at stephanieatmission.org and I'll give you all the juicy details around what our strategic partnerships look like. Email me at stephanie@mission.org, at and let's chat. Welcome to Up Next in Commerce the show that takes you to the front lines of what's happening in digital, retail, and beyond. With conversations from fast-growing startups to the Fortune 500 and everything in between, you'll get a glimpse into what's next. I'm your host, Stephanie Postles, the co-founder and CEO of mission.org, and I'll be your guide through all the trends, innovations, and hot topics in the world of commerce. Today, I'm talking to Mark Matou, the co-founder of Web3 Studio at Salesforce. We went deep into the world of Web3 and talked about how it's gonna change the way brands acquire, interact, and build community with their customers. Plus, we get into some fun examples of how blockchain, NFTs, and digital goods are being used right now in the world of commerce, and the mindset shifts that will need to come with this exciting evolution. But before we dive in, I wanna give a quick shout out to our partners, Salesforce Commerce Cloud, who make this whole show possible. And for some amazing commerce insights, check out the second edition of their State of Commerce report at sfdc.co slash commerce insights. That's sfdc.co slash commerce insights. All right, enjoy today's episode with Mark Matu. the blue-collar worker looking for new ways to think about life, finances, and health. This is for the people who wanna break the status quo and laugh a little or a lot along the way. Join me, Stephanie Postles, and my co-host, Albert Chow, as we address the subjects, thoughts, and trends that business leaders think about, but don't often talk about. Tune into Mission Daily wherever you listen to your podcasts. See you there. Mark, welcome to the show.
1: Glad to be here.
0: I'm super excited about today's chat. I know we're gonna be diving into the world of Web3. So I thought it would be a good starting point to hear, when was the moment that you knew you had to get involved in Web3? Like, where were you? What were you feeling? What was that moment?
1: So two different things happened almost at the same time. I was working on a presentation on the future of luxury. And I was looking at everything that Salesforce had, etc. And I realized I was not happy. I, I needed more. And that's when I started to dig and I started to <laughs> get into the rabbit hole, as they say, of Web3 and discovered that some brands were started uh, to talk about metaverse, about NFTs, but it was you know, really nascent. And so I added it uh, as a section of my presentation to the industry, but that was one of the beginning. And then at the time I really had to get involved is I was invited a kind of conference roundtable, small by a bank as a research group, almost 30, 35 people on DeFi, the future of decentralized finance. Mm-hmm. And they said, and by the way, you are speaking. And and I said, what do you mean? I speaking? They said, yes. Uh, they are experts from you know the financial institutions, experts from crypto. And then subject matter experts, and that's why we invite you because you're a brand expert, you're a consumer expert, and we want your point of view. So I had to dig because I'd never you know, really digged into DeFi, and I had to understand how to talk about Web3 to an audience of 30 people in a semi-intelligent way.
0: I love it. And what year was that or yeah, for reference?
1: That was uh, about a year ago, so not that long ago, but it was my uh, acceleration curve.
0: Mm -hmm. I love always hearing the starting point and then thinking, okay, what you thought Web3 was a few years ago versus where you're at today. It's like a wormhole where you fall in and there's so much stuff to learn and it's also changing so rapidly. It seems hard to keep up with all the things that are going on in this space.
1: Yeah, it's very true. And uh, when I started to dig, I felt, oh, I'm so late, mm-hmm. I'm so late, yeah. <laughs> and yet I realized I was still so early, and you know there was still so much history to be written. I, I always say, you know, in the world of Web three, the uh, iPhone of Web three or you know the the Google of Web three have been not been born yet. Mm-hmm. Nobody has identified those killer use cases that are going to really you know become prevalent and uh, And I think that a lot of what Web three is today. is for me is really an underlying, you know, technology based on blockchain and smart contracts that really is very powerful. But then all the manifestations of it are going to continue to evolve.
0: Mm -hmm. So I love starting with definitions. And I mean, when I think about Web 1, 2, and 3, I guess I always think about time periods. Like Web 1 is from maybe, and you can correct me if you're like, that's not correct. I think of it from like 1990 to 2004. It's like the static websites. And then you've got-ish, like 2005. I bring it all the way up to 2020 when it's social platforms, interactivity, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. And then Web3, I think of it, you know, decentralized, open, you know, and of course all the buzzwords like NFTs and metaverse. But how would you describe where we're at today in the world of Web3?
1: So it's a good definition. And I I fully uh, agree with you. I often talk about web 1 web 2 web 3 as the web of read mm-hmm. web 1 the web of read and write web 2 you we talk about the social interaction social platforms and the web of read write and own web 3 where you can actually own assets but also your own data and your own identity mm-hmm. in the world of web 3 one thing to put web 3 in perspective is web 1 was also the invention of the cookie You know, right at the beginning, 1994, that's when uh, a young engineer at Netscape called Lou Montulli, you know, invented the cookie just to give websites to be some intelligence so that they would recognize people when they come instead of starting all over again every time. And he didn't want this to make it trackable. (laughs) Oops. (laughs) A year later, unfortunately, Trackability was invented and then purchased by one of these big platforms company for several billion dollars. But the reality is one thing that's happening is the cookie is going away because of everything we know, GDPR, regulation, you know, customer realization that, uh, you know, there's so much data about them out there that they don't own and they should own. So, you know, and there is this shift towards first party data and then enter zero party data, which is, you know, my data is my data. And that's the world of Web3. Mm -hmm. And that's the, 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 the basic time period we are in. People have started to really realize that their identity is theirs and that by taking back control of it, they're going to expand the possibilities of what they can do, but also who they can be. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really what's going to be interesting is uh, the, the big transformation for me that's going to come in the years to come with Web3. Is going to be around uh, around identity we talk a lot about self-sovereign identity and i like to talk about self-sovereignty which is people you know basically realizing that they can take back more control of their body and their mind and fulfill a life that's uh, much richer than uh, what we could do in in the previous you know versions of the world where you didn't have that realization of uh, the the potentiality Mm -hmm. that uh, are around you.
0: I love that. So when thinking about the commerce space, I mean, how should companies think about playing in this world? I mean, how not only should their brand be showing up, but then how should they be finding new customers in a world where you can't operate, you know, in the same way that you used to operate, you can't attract new customers and you know, track them like you used to, like not only how they, should they show up there, but then how should they find new customers and interact with them?
1: Yeah, so there's there um, lots of ways to, uh, to uh, skin this cat and, and answer that question. The reality is, first of all, I mean, you talk about commerce. One of the big changes that is already happening and is going to continue to happen is the fact that people are going to realize that, uh, you know, cryptocurrencies are another currency. Mm-hmm that you can use uh, to make commerce. And uh, I'm amazed by the number of companies that are in an accelerated pace, despite all the ups and downs of cryptos yep. that are starting to accept or planning to accept cryptocurrencies in the you know, foreseeable future. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, of course, what's interesting is that you can buy you know, uh, digital goods, you can buy an NFT, you can buy you know uh, skins uh, for the metaverse etc but uh, you can also buy them together with a product as a digital twin and then they are part of the product but you can also dissociate them from the product and then they become brand so suddenly you have a proposition where commerce and marketing are becoming really, and it's been a while in the making, I've always said when I was, you know, my first role, which was a while ago, you know, I was always fascinated by the the competition between sales and marketing. And I always said, well, the two functions really should collaborate. Mm -hmm. Well, now they have to, because the reality, a single NFT can be, you know, a, a financial proposition, but can also... Be uh, a uh, a brand proposition, a marketing proposition, and can be therefore uh, become an asset. And then you add the people, the role of the people as a community that no longer want to be, but can be much more than consuming your product. They can actually collaborate and co-create with you. And the power of the individual and the community of, of fans, you know, participating truly. In your business, because they are not just participating in building the brand, if they participate in building the brand by being active members of a community, they are going to want a stake. Mm-hmm. they're going to want a cut, you know, and that's why you, you see the, the, this decentralization movement is not just decentralization of technology. It's also, I think, the, the, the transformation of more and more people being able to participate and benefit from the internet
0: yeah I definitely agree. I mean, it's interesting because you see these way more niche communities popping up, and it seems like there's a lot of new opportunities that companies have to reach these you know much more niche consumers who maybe did not have a group to talk in before, they couldn't find their people, and now all of a sudden you see you know NFTs popping up around a space that you've never even heard of, that maybe it was on some subreddit forum, you know some thread that was like deep down where you couldn't find it. Now, all of a sudden, people are finding each other and actually have ways to, you know, either gamify it or have a community or have tokens around something, whatever it is. It's interesting watching, like, all these new opportunities pop up to connect with people.
1: When I joined Salesforce, I talked with my boss and uh, he said, you need to write a bookmark. And I said, the working title and I've not written it yet, but is uh, your brand is your community, mm-hmm. but it was a totally this power of the community to actually uh, play a new role, a very active role, and take ownership of your proposition. But I love the way you say I, I often talk indeed about not just communities but micro communities, mm-hmm. and I have this theory that a community should be ten thousand twenty thousand you know twenty five thousand. But if you go to a million, two million, it's not a community, it's an audience. And we're back to you know, old school marketing. Mm-hmm. So to me, what uh, brands are going to need to do is to actually continuously segment their communities into micro-community to keep that little tribal you know, subculture that you're talking about mm-hmm. so that they really feel that they're one. They all feel like the people in that community are all like me. And I want to be like them, to be with them. Uh, it's a little bit like nation forming. Mm-hmm. You know, you choose the neighborhood, you choose the, the people you want to hang out based on certain regions, because you know this place, you know, uh, has certain values, certain uh, you know, passions that, that are more prevalent in this one or amongst this group than amongst that group. And I think that uh, it's going to be fascinating to see how... We resist the temptation as communities grow of making them bigger versus, you know, keeping them small, which is going to require changing structure. Because if you have, you know, an audience of a million, it's one thing. But if you have, you know, a hundred, a thousand micro communities of thousands of people, it's going to require community management. It's going to require, you know, a, a lot of new skills. Mm-hmm that organizations don't have. And on top of it, which is fascinating, is going back to your question around commerce, those communities are going to be communities that are going to co-create your brand, but also co-grow your business. And you're going to be able to sell them products and they're going to be able to sell your products for you. So it changes completely the role. And that's what I believe is powerful about decentralization. Yeah.
0: I mean, it kind of gets back to, I think it was Kevin Kelly talking about the thousand true fans, but if that's the way the world is headed right now, it seems like all the metrics that marketers and commerce leaders rely on right now are kind of kind of go out the door because they're gonna be looking at, okay, what should average retention be or, you know, average order values and all these numbers that once you actually have a really engaged community, all the benchmarks that you're used to will not make sense anymore. They're all gonna be much higher because you have people who really want, hopefully, what you're selling.
1: Yes and no, because I I do think that, uh, you know, there is a limit to the number of communities that you can actively participate Mm -hmm. in. So I think there are going to be, you know, a few communities that are going to become, you know, not just what you're part of, but who you are. It's going to become identity forming. And then we're still going to, by definition, also have relationships with, you know, brands and that are going to be far less personal, far less intimate. I always think Web three is an and, not an or. Got it. mm-hmm. No, it's going to be additive, both in terms of commerce, in terms of marketing, in terms of relationship. But it is going to, uh, and, and I agree with you on that point. It, it is going to create a, a total new, you know, go to market, new places with new products and new revenue streams that uh, people had not envisaged before. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, I love a good example. So, are there any? Companies doing this well right now when it comes to the micro communities, engaging with them, maybe they're creating some NFTs, like anyone that you're watching in this space right now?
1: I mean, there are quite a few uh, brands that have done a very good job. The classical ones that come to mind would be, you know, like Adidas or Gucci. Mm-hmm. What was interesting in those examples is that they really uh, engaged with their community before they actually uh, tried to make something you know big they were very much sharing their roadmap, you know uh, recruiting the community uh, instead of trying to sell uh, something to the community mm-hmm. and I find uh, that what's what's going to be interesting you 're going to see two very opposite ways which can both be valid of using this new internet one is to recruit new users and say there is this you know group of uh, either, you know, Generation Alpha, which is going to be the, the biggest generation ever, two and a half billion people that are going to be Web3 native. But all those, you know, Web3 native uh, crypto funds, etc., that's one way you can recruit that generation and those people for your brand. And that you need to do it without using any of the scale methods. And then you're gonna have some other brands that are gonna say, no, no. I have a big fan base. I want to use, you know, Web three NFTs to make my fan base, you know, more loyal. And I think that can work too. But in some cases, uh, and that's why we see a heavy focus on uh, luxury, on fashion, etc. Because it, it requires a big enough user base that is already ready to accept Mm -hmm. Web3 marketing, uh, Web3 techniques, crypto, and so on.
0: Yeah. I mean, it definitely makes sense for luxury. We had on a previous guest, um, Annika, and she was from NYU and studied the luxury space and then worked at another company too. And she was talking about that was the top space to have NFTs for just because of making sure there's not counterfeits and being able to actually resell your product. And yeah, I was just seeing so many use cases when thinking about that space that I'm sure there are many, many more, but...
1: Yeah, there, there is one of the conversations we're having a lot uh, with, uh, with Indeed luxury companies, with car companies and so on, is the fact that for them, uh, there is something really powerful in the, using blockchain and NFTs together with certificate of uh, authenticity, certificate of ownership, mm-hmm. and so that you're able to have, uh, you know, a combination of the product, the brand, and a level of trust, if you want, that you can uh, put inside a smart contract. Mm -hmm. And that's really uh, something which I I believe is uh, a very interesting use case. One of the conversations I always have when we start with brands is, what are you trying to do? What's your brand and what's the utility that you can only have using NFTs or you know, Web3 that you couldn't, you know, uh, uh, realize mm-hmm. with current, you know, marketing uh, techniques and commerce techniques. Because if you can do it right now, you know, with classical e-commerce or, you know, social marketing or uh, whatever, well, then it's probably not good enough. You, you really need to think hard to think what's the really uh, unique uh, utility that you can unlock for your consumers and your communities um, with Web3.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I always think about old problems that could be solved with new technology. Like if you, you mentioned cars earlier, and I'm like, what if you just put the service history on the blockchain and you had the service provider you know, check off on it? I mean, you get all these used cars now, and you're like, I don't know what happened to this car. I don't know if they ever got an oil change in their life before. But so many old problems like that that could instantly solve with technology. <laughs>
1: But then, you know, if you take your analogy of, you know, how many times has this car been serviced? Well, yeah. you can do the same with a human being. Mm-hmm. How many times has this person <laughs> been serviced? And then you suddenly oh, you know, can think about uh, insurance. <laughs> exactly, you you said it. So yeah. you know, uh, we're having fascinating conversation with mm-hmm. with all the industries, and and as much as that's uh, why well, going back to the beginning of our conversation, I really believe that the killer use case where there's going to be really game changing utility have not been seen yet have not been identified and they may take years mm-hmm. you know before they, they come and it's something like but you're right i mean insurance and health could be you know game changed yeah. by uh, web3 not to ask the question of will avatars have digital uh, health needs
0: mm. Probably. No. I don't want to get hacked. I want my avatar to have something to protect it.
1: <laughs> so uh, so I think that uh, it's going to be really, uh, really interesting to uh, explore this strange new world in the years to come.
0: Yeah. yeah I see. Um, I don't know if you've seen some of the apps that have tokens and they're paying their users to run and work out. And I'm like, oh, I wonder if they're thinking about the long game here of how they're going to plug into insurance companies
1: yeah we'll yeah the whole play to earn mm-hmm. model which you're talking about a, a game changer that uh, can be unlocked through these technologies and, and it comes from the mentality of of gaming you know the experience of gaming but but now it can be uh, translated mm-hmm. into uh, all kind of other industries yeah thanks to blockchain
0: there's a stereotype of the average american worker whose life goes something like this go to work Come home, consume some kind of entertainment, go to sleep, lather, rinse, repeat. If you're listening to this ad, then I know that that life does not resonate with you. For the truly disruptive business leader, work doesn't stay at the office, and unwinding doesn't mean watching TV at night every single night. This is why we've created Mission Daily, a podcast that discusses the trends, habits, and ideas that thoughtful business people are contemplating every day from quirky business opportunities, to interesting investment ideas, to the latest research in health and exercise and alternative medicine, and maybe even plant medicine. Who knows where we're going to go, but Mission Daily covers it all. We're releasing new episodes every weekday. So join me, Stephanie Postles, and my co-host Albert Chow, as we discuss the subjects, thoughts, and trends that business leaders think about, but don't talk about. Publicly, that is. Break the status quo. Tune into Mission Daily wherever you listen to your podcasts. See you there. If you were to pick maybe a component of Web3 that you're most excited about for commerce companies, like brands specifically, I mean, what would you choose and why? Like, which one are you, you know, you think will have the biggest impact in the next five years, not like the next 20?
1: Yeah. One thing that um, I often say is is wrong, we talk about customer lifetime value as if it's a KPI for the CFO. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, (laughs) how much money can we make with this customer? And uh, in reality, I often say customer lifetime value is a KPI for the customer. How do you make sure that you uh, create enough value for the customer for, you know, the rest of his life? And that therefore you nurture your relationship with that person in a way where you don't just sell him a product and then you expect to sell him another product, but to serve his needs all on and on and on as his or her needs evolve. And, and I think that the, in the end, Web3 for me is really a very powerful and quite noble way of, you know, building even deeper and more meaningful and more connected, you know, relationships mm-hmm. with your audience and being able to do them know for life and that's where there is really because when you are so close to that community the community you know co-creates with you the community you know helps solve the problem with you Mm -hmm. so the unity the community becomes part of your roadmap of product development of new services offering and it becomes a virtuous circle Mm -hmm. that really can create value in the long term so to go back to your question, it's it's the power of the relationship. And maybe, you know, it's not just about customer lifetime value, but community lifetime value. Yeah. And in a way, in a world where the community, you know, becomes a true stakeholder, not just a, a consumer.
0: Yeah, it feels like it's reverting back to the early days of retail, way back in the day when the stores were kind of developed with the owner and the community deciding what should we order, like they all knew each other, the person would come in, they would already have their stuff ready. I mean, it feels like history is coming back in a different way now. Like, how do you actually understand the person who's visiting your store, wherever that is, whether it's digital, in-person, the metaverse, it feels like it's just repeating itself in a different way.
1: Yeah, and I think that it's, it's, a, it's a very good observation. I think that we've gone to the place where now, thanks to, you know, all the technologies and also a little bit thanks to the post-COVID world, where everybody has now completely, you know, uh, embraced digital technology, digital, digital tools. You write that the this omni-channel approach now is a given for for everyone, mm-hmm. and therefore this ability to connect all the data and use all of that data in a way to make us and therefore to make brands maybe a little bit more human again, mm-hmm. you know, by understanding yes. better, by being oddly enough through a digital solution, being actually closer to their customers than ever before. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel that uh, a lot of companies have thought for years that uh, they were selling directly to consumers. I know that I tried to sell directly to consumers when I was at Coca-Cola, Unilever, mm-hmm. you know, Samsung. But the reality uh, in most cases, we use intermediaries both to sell the product and to deliver the message. And what's beautiful in this new world is that you you can go direct truly, you know, both to sell the product and to deliver the message.
0: Mm-hmm. So one thing that's interesting that I think about is how do we get outside of our mindset of, you know, what's valuable and into the mindset of the younger consumer. I know you mentioned Gen Alpha earlier, because to me, oftentimes I'm thinking about digital goods and, you know, I'm in this, you know, Fortnite and I'm going to buy some digital good. And it's hard for me to really understand only because I did not grow up that way. And I don't really understand the value there. But how do you think about digital goods and, you know, kind of keeping up with, are these actual trends or is this a fad of buying these digital goods?
1: So I remember... Ten, fifteen 15 years ago, asking, you know, when I was going to do customer visits in the house, one day I was in India and I was asking what was the most desired thing that the person would want to have. The kid that was next to it says, he was nine year old. He said, oh, an iPhone, the latest iPhone. I want the latest iPhone. That's what, and, and that, that was very much, you know, web web too. Mm-hmm. I have a nephew who is nine year old, you know. Uh, he cares more about the skins that he has in Fortnite than uh, the actual T-shirts that he has uh, in his wardrobe. Mm-hmm. And and that's the mindset shift that you're talking about. And, uh, and, and you're right that it's difficult for us to realize, but Gen Alpha, they take their digital identity as seriously, if not more seriously than their physical identity. They change skins. They change profile picture. You know, uh, every single day. So, uh, if not several times a day. And it's true that we, you you think, you know, if I'm going for dinner tonight, uh, I might need to change and, and dress differently. But they think exactly the same thing in the digital world. And what's fascinating is that then it gives them the ability to identify and realize different parts of their identities with different micro-communities in ways that was, you know, before not not possible. And I feel that it's going to be really interesting. It it can sound a little bit complex, but I think it's going to be real, really interesting to see how Web3 can be a solution to fight some of the uh, uh, prejudices and inequalities mm-hmm. that, you know, are prevalent in, in our world.
0: Yep. Yeah, I mean, now all of a sudden, anyone, anywhere can mostly have access to play in the same space and to be able to, you know, buy something for much cheaper than it would be in the real world. And I mean, it is exciting seeing, you know, how it's kind of bringing so many more people together in a way that just didn't really exist before.
1: Exactly. And we're not there. We're not there clearly because, you know, right now there is still a a limited, you know, uh, distribution and, uh, but my hope indeed, we... In terms of adoption, people say we're more or less in the equivalent of 1998, mm-hmm. 1999 of uh, the internet yep. one uh, adoption curve. So it's following the same adoption, you know, pace as the internet uh, in its very early stage. But we are only at the beginning. So I'm personally uh, excited about the possibilities, and I'm not that worried about, you know, some of the things you talked about. Is it a fad? You said, you know, is it only you know, benefiting uh, a, a few people. I think that it's normal when you have a new product, a new technology. You know, uh, it, it's not going to hit everyone at once, mm-hmm. but I truly believe that it has that potential.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. It's interesting because I feel like from the outside, when you look at you know, how the media talks about this world is usually pretty pessimistic. It might just be following Bitcoin's price for the day. And a lot of people, you know, might think of it as this like hype cycle, but then when you look behind the scenes, there's a lot of things already being implemented, you know, whether it's blockchain, like you mentioned earlier, I mean, people were like, oh, blockchain, it's not even a thing. I'm like, well, look at actually like the infrastructure is changing behind the scenes at some of the largest companies that were making fun of it back in the day, like the JP Morgans of the world are using this technology. And that's what I think isn't talked about enough. It's like how this is actually bubbling up, but it's not easy to tell from the hype that, you know, you see from the media. And of course, all the stuff around NFTs where, you know, there's probably a couple valuable ones and maybe a lot of hype, but it's hard to tell what's actually happening.
1: I I think you're absolutely right that um, the beauty about NFTs is that it was really the first use case Mm -hmm. that grabbed people's imagination, attention, you know, really fast. And people suddenly realized, oh, but the reality, until we talked about Web3, and until we talked about blockchain, and until we talked about crypto, most people didn't see the utility. Suddenly, NFT made people realize, oh, there is a utility. I really believe that we're only at the beginning of uh, unlocking new utilities. And that's what's exciting. Yeah,
0: I love it. Very optimistic. My fever kind of guess. So I like hearing where your mind is at. No, but it's, uh,
1: I think, you know, I I love, and it's funny, I was on a panel with, the, the CMO of uh, Ledger, a crypto wallet, uh, a few days ago. And she was saying, Mark, you and I are both, you know, always only seeing the possibilities. So I am an optimist. Yeah, me too. But, uh, but I, I really think that uh, when you see a new technology that is undoubtedly the next internet, I mean, there is no doubt for me about the fact that the internet had had several phases and we're entering a new technology phase. Uh, on top of it, that new phase, which is also exciting is that we're entering it with not only a new technology but also a new mindset. We understand much more now about you know sustainability about ethics you know about so so we' are actually able to take the almost the challenges of the world and of society and of individuals and and I really think that um We're going to realize in the future that there are lots of things that in Web 1 and Web 2 we could have done better. Mm -hmm. And I hope that uh, we course correct using uh, the power of this new technology.
0: Yeah, I think there will be. I mean, it does feel like in many ways we'll look back and be like, well, it feels like we built the Internet very blindly in those stages. Because now where we're at, I mean, even though it's, you know, distributed and open it's also pretty traceable, and you can put new rules into this internet in a way that you know is very hard to do in Web two.
1: Yeah, I, I think I always go back to the internet dream at the beginning, and I, and I think we all agree that the, the execution didn't fully deliver on the dream. Mm-hmm. There were lots of great things, and I wouldn't want you know to go back and say let's take the internet away because it's not good enough. Yeah, no, yeah, gotta try. <laughs> it, it's, it's great. It's great, but yeah. with all the hindsight now. We can really, and, and that's what we see on lots of other technologies. The, the more you, you advance, the more you, you take advantage of the learnings. And, and that's what I hope. And that's why all the negativity, of course, there is always going to be with everything. You, know, you can use it for good reasons and for bad reasons. And, uh, and there will always going to be you know, some elements of, uh, of the Web3 world that because of some of the principles, you will have people that, you know, will try to do scams, etc. But always, yeah, you know, scams have existed, you know, (laughs) probably since uh, the very early stage of humanity. Yep.
0: Yeah, I agree. So my last question for you, you know, for someone who's listening right now, a brand, a company, maybe they're an executive at a company, and they're wondering, how can I even get involved in this space? What would you recommend to them?
1: So I, I really feel that it's a great time for experimentation. I feel that uh, both personal experimentation and also experimentation with a, sm- a small brand a small project etc but the first thing is experiment yourself. people who say, "How do I get into this?" the first thing they should do is themselves get into this mm-hmm. create a wallet you know buy some cryptos you don't need to buy a lot yeah. buy an NFT mint an NFT mm-hmm. and just Going through that process is uh, is the best way from not only experimenting yourself, but also because you're not gonna sh- be sure you do it right. So you're gonna go and try to learn. So you're gonna go to some communities. If you join, if you buy an NFT, you're gonna join a community of that NFT probably on Discord. Mm-hmm. You're gonna realize suddenly that uh, LinkedIn and Twitter have a whole layer for, you know, uh, with three uh, interested people. Mm-hmm. And you're going to start to follow people and try to learn from, you know, the early stage uh, that you're not. So it's going to, and, and so that's the first thing. And then experiment with, with you know, in the marketplace. Uh, uh, but again, don't do it if you are not clear about the utility. Mm-hmm. It's not about, you know, creating a piece of art and selling it. That's going to you know, maybe sell, maybe sell for very cheap, but it's not going to teach you much because it's going to die right after this. Mm-hmm. So um, th- there are indeed uh, quite a lot of uh, resources out there once you start to fall into the rabbit hole. And that's my third advice maybe is make sure that you want to do it because it's addictive. Yeah. I mean, certainly once you start to enter – uh, and you start to want to learn, you want to learn more, you want to learn more. And as a field that is, you know, still expanding exponentially on a daily basis, then you will not have enough time uh, up in your days and your nights to to learn enough.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, and certainly it's uh, all the people I know who, uh, who practice, you know, Web3, have expanded the number of hours that they yeah. spend, you know, every day on trying to learn, trying to understand. It's, uh, it's fascinating. It's, and it's also a very tight community. Uh, so it's a very helping community because the mindset of decentralization is also a mindset of collaboration.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that. I love the idea of, yeah, skin in the game, especially. That's what I always say. I remember back in, I think, 2012 or 13, I, was like, you know, I want to figure out what this Bitcoin thing is. And I spent $900 on a couple of Bitcoin. And instantly my mind was like, well, where'd that money go? where did I just transfer it to? What's happening with it? And you start all of a sudden kind of forcing yourself to follow along with these new things because you actually have your own money in it and you want to explore, you know, what this thing is. So love that idea um, and great advice. Mark, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Where can people follow along with all the new things you're learning and doing? Where can they find you?
1: The best place is probably LinkedIn. LinkedIn is indeed, uh, as I just mentioned, a very uh, active web three community. And once you start to follow a few people, then uh, you discover uh, lots of other people that you know comment and that add, and then you'll start to follow those people too. And that's the best way to engage. And, and as I said, it's very responsive. So very often I see people using, you know, uh, LinkedIn not just to comment but to ask questions, and some people answer. So that's the, the, the beauty of it, is that uh, it's another way of, uh, of learning.
0: I love that. Thank you, Mark.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Stephanie. And for all of you who have listened and who will uh, be tempted to go into the rabbit hole, well, all the best, good luck, and have a lot of fun. Hey,
0: listeners, thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time. Thank you for checking out another epic hour of business insights and inspiration on the Up Next in Commerce podcast.